you are now listening to the Buckeye Leafcast with your host, Andy Evans. Oh my goodness. What? Were you, did, did, you know, I, <clears throat> my mind is, is a mess. I'm going to be honest with you. So, all right, let me think here what I was going to say. Um, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I don't know what the hell you want to call them over the, 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 uh, I was going to say something and I, uh, I don't know. And now, ladies and gentlemen, prepare to get weird with your host for the Buckeye Leafcast, Andy Evans. All right, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Buckeye Leafcast. I'm your host, Andy Evans. Appreciate you. (sighs) Clicking on this episode of the show where, yes, it's one of the sadder shows that I've ever had to do because, indeed, it is the day after Buckeye Nation just witnessed our beloved second-ranked Scarlet and Gray Go down in defeat at the hands of the fifth-ranked Smelly Rodents. In case you're living under a rock, that's right. The Ohio State Buckeyes, second-ranked, 10-1 and overall, last undefeated team in the Big Ten at 8-0. Lose a heartbreaker in the big house to the fifth-ranked, 10-1, and 7-1 and in the conference, Michigan Wolverines. By final score of 42 to 27. Indeed, a heartbreaker, folks. I know. I know. I'm pissed. Who isn't pissed, right? Seriously, who is not upset? That is, if you're a Buckeye fan, if you're a Wolverine fan, you're obviously elated, dancing on cloud nine. Skipping around, holding hands with your fellow Wolverine fans, playing around, laughing away, singing Kumbaya, reveling in your coach's post-game comments. All that good happy horse shit, right? (laughs) Well, all I got to say is savor the flavor, baby. Savor the flavor. Because revenge is a dish best served cold, right? And that dish was definitely served in spades to the Buckeyes yesterday. So some final stats on the day. Buckeyes, 458 offensive yards to Michigan's 487. Pretty even in that category. Ohio State, 23 first downs. Michigan, 24. Ohio State, 394 yards passing, of course, all coming on the arm of redshirt freshman C.J. Stroud. Michigan, J.J. McCarthy and Cade McNamara combined for 190. Rushing, though, Ohio State finishes with 64 yards. Michigan, 297. And all six of Michigan's touchdowns came on the ground. Buckeyes with one rushing touchdown all day. Travion Henderson. 
Going to get into some more stats here in a few. But those are just, of course, the overall big stats. Ohio State, outcoached, outplayed. But, I mean, quite frankly, are we surprised? Are we really surprised? I'm sure that there are some Buckeye fans out there that are surprised. That Ohio State, I mean, not only got beat, but Ohio State pretty much got owned, right? I mean, from the opening kickoff, they take their first drive right down the field, score, boom. 10 play, 75 yard, took almost five minutes off the clock. And then Ohio State, even before their first drive started, which was at the four-yard line, began inauspiciously because Julian Fleming allows the ball to bounce twice, which on a kickoff, if you call for a fair catch, which he did, and then the ball hits the ground, and you catch it, you're okay. The fair catch still is in place. However, if the ball bounces, hits the ground again, now it's a live ball. Now you got to get on it, and now the fair catch is totally negated. That ball hits the ground a second time on a kickoff. You now have to pick up that football and run, regardless of whether you call it a fair catch or not. Not that way on a punt, right? You can call fair catch, and then you can back away and... The defense can down the ball, and you're good. But on a kickoff, totally different. And what happens? The ball hits the ground a second time, therefore making it live. And then Fleming has to scramble to pick up the ball, and then he just is forced out of bounds at the four-yard line. Not a great way to start the game. And what happens? The Buckeyes go... Three and out. And in fact, how about that C.J. Stroud fumbles the snap, not that it was his fault because Luke Whippler snapped it to him when he was trying to come up to the line to make an audible. And as he's coming up to the line, Luke Whippler snaps him the ball, completely catches him off guard, obviously, and then he's got to scramble to recover it. Luckily, he fell on the ball. Somehow it was for a one-yard gain. But then two incomplete passes later to Garrett Wilson, and it's a three and out for Ohio State. Luckily, though, Bryson Shaw. Bryson Shaw, a guy who been catching a lot of flack. A lot of flack. And he made a great play there at the goal line to read Cade McNamara's pass and pick it off. Technically, it was at the two-yard line, but close enough, right? At Ohio State's two, Michigan threatening to score again. At the very least, probably make it a 10-0 game in the snap of a finger. Bryson Shaw picks him off. Then Ohio State goes all the way down the field. All the way down the field. Third and goal at the three. And then the Buckeyes commit their first penalty of the game. False start on DeWan Jones. Which, if I'm not mistaken, was actually the first of five false starts on the day. 
and then Stroud sacked by good old Aiden Hutchinson. Aiden Hutchinson, guy that we were talking about all week long, right? Being able to create some havoc in the Buckeyes' backfield. Buckeyes, of course, came in only allowing 11 sacks on the year, which was second in the conference to who? (laughs) Yep. Second to Michigan and having only allowed nine sacks. But Stroud then gets sacked for a six-yard loss. And the Buckeyes are forced to kick a field goal, which pretty much Mr. Automatic. No struggles for Mr. Noah Ruggles. Comes out, knocks it down. Buckeyes are still trailing, but at least they get some points on the board. However, let's go back to second down and three on that drive. Should Olave have caught that pass? It was behind him. You saw him have to go back, try and try and pull that 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 pass in. It was behind him. That's tough to be able to be running one way and then to kind of have to stop, pivot, and try and turn yourself on a dime and reach back to pull in the football. That's tough. That's tough to do. But he got his hands on it, and as they say, right, if you get your hands on it, you should make the catch. And he didn't. And we've seen him make crazier catches than that. Remember the catch uh, last weekend against Michigan State? As he's running an, an, an out post route towards the sideline, twists and contorts himself, looks up in the air and catches it over his shoulder, keeps his feet in bounds at the two-yard line that gave C.J. his Ohio State single-game record-setting 17th straight completed pass. It was on that kind of catch. But he dropped the ball against Michigan, that is, on second and three. That would have given Ohio State a tying touchdown. Coulda, woulda, shoulda. He makes that catch. The Buckeyes level it up at 7-7. I don't know. Maybe that gives the Ohio State offense a sense of, okay, we're in this. We know we can play. Not that they probably didn't have that sense going in. I know they did. They were confident. This is a confident team. C.J. Stroud's a very confident guy. Very religious, God-loving. I'm sure God-fearing type of guy. So is Chris Olave. You've heard both of them come out after games and thank God for their performance. Both these guys, a deep belief in, in not only God, but themselves their teammates, and what they're able to do. You know that they came in yesterday ready to play. They were fired up. They are ready to play. But sometimes it's just, I don't know, just one of those weird things that happened. You could just tell from that kickoff, from that catch, from the sack, The three and out, I mean, on their first drive, everything was just starting to already have that feel that this was just not going to be Ohio State's day. But, of course, we as Buckeye fans, we're never going to give up the fight, right? We're never going to give up. We're going to keep rooting on our beloved Buckeyes to the end. And I know a lot of you out there, once again, 
pissed off, salty, sad, mad, angry. I am too, trust me. But this was just a day that it just, just even going into the game, it just, it just had that sense. There were so many superlatives. So many superlatives. I'll get to that in a second. But to the game itself, you know, you just, you got to tip your cap. You really do. You really do. You really have to tip your cap to the way that Michigan played. Start to finish. They just, they, they really look like they were wanting it more. I think that's really all it comes down to. And they were seasoned. You know, they had quite a few upperclassmen. You know, Cade McNamara, junior. Hassan Haskins, senior. David Ajabo, junior. Aiden Hutchinson, senior. You know, the guys that made it happen for Michigan yesterday, all upperclassmen. All guys who played in this game and knew what it meant to really get beat against Ohio State. C.J. Stroud, now if Jim Harbaugh hadn't punked out last year, because let's face it, dude, come on. Seriously, Jimmy, you punked out last year. Kirk Herbstreet called you out before the game and before you officially punked out that you were going to punk out. And guess what? You punked out. You punked out last year, dude. Yeah. Can you tell I'm angry about it? (laughs) So, yeah, guys like C.J. Stroud, even though he technically wouldn't have played last year because he had Justin Fields sitting in front of him, but still, would have had an opportunity to at least be there at the game, right? Be in that environment. Granted, a lot different environment being at home than being on the road, but still, didn't have an opportunity to even see and witness firsthand what an OSU-Michigan game was like. Travion Henderson? No. However, guys like Nick Petit-Ferrer, Thayer Munford, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave. Yeah, they had played it before. They had played him in before, and... Yeah. They had even played in the big house before. Remember the game Garrett Wilson had as a true freshman? He still had a game yesterday. Jackson Smith and Jigba, a guy who hadn't had any experience in an Ohio State-Michigan game. Yeah, he had a game too. They both, double-digit catches and 100 yards. Smith and Jigba led the team with 11 for 127. Wilson, 10 for 119 and had that unbelievable touchdown catch. What sucks is is that's that's his last Michigan game, right? Unfortunately, not going to see him return in a scarlet and gray jersey. And if he does, if he pulls a Chris Olave and comes back for one more year, I I'll ask him to pass to the left. You know what I mean? And Travion, he didn't actually have a bad game either. I mean, seventeen carries, seventy-eight yards. Had a rushing touchdown, plus five catches for 54 yards, and that 10-yard touchdown catch there, which, my goodness, C.J. Stroud, how did he get it over Hutchinson's fingertips? 
I mean, Hutchinson read the play beautifully and should have gotten the tip, but he didn't. Stroud was able to just get it up over. Knew knew where Hutchinson was going to be, too. He read Hutchinson. Hutchinson read the play. Beautiful placement over the top of Hutchinson's hands, right into Henderson's bread basket. He's able to turn around and turn it upfield for a 10-yard touchdown pass. But still, this Michigan team, they just, they wanted it more. They wanted it more. Hassan Haskins, solid day for him, right? 28 carries, 169 yards, five touchdowns, five. Tied to Michigan school, single game record, five touchdowns. So we can sit here and we can talk about Stats all game long. I will say this, Ohio State, here, here's, here's one telling stat for me from the game. Kind of more than anything else. There's a couple in there. But Ohio State, third down. Third down. Ohio State came into yesterday's game at almost 54%. 53.9%. So I'm just going to go ahead and say 54 54% third down conversion rate was the third best conversion rate in the entire country. 54%. They were averaging 10 third downs a game. Averaging 10 third downs. You want to know what they, they did yesterday on third down? 8 of 18, which comes out to 44%. So they were held, or should I say they were forced into eight more third downs than they were averaging, and they converted 10% less. Now, you might sit here and go, what's the big deal? Well, that's a huge deal. It means Michigan was playing some defense on third down. But there's a reason for that. Because Michigan was the third-ranked team in the Big Ten in third down conversion percentage. They were third in the Big Ten at 31.7% third downs allowed. Third in the Big Ten. And you want to know how good that was as far as the rest of the country was concerned? Ninth. They were third in the Big Ten, yet they were ninth overall on third down. So, kind of a little bit of give and take. The Buckeyes certainly converted on more third downs than Michigan was used to giving up. However, the Buckeyes were still held to more third downs than what they were used to playing, and they converted less. 8-18 on third down. However, what about that fourth down conversion? They were 3-4, of four, and Ohio State was actually one of the crummier teams on fourth down throughout this season. They came in 85th in the country. 46% fourth downs converted. They converted three of four. In fact, they had, they had only attempted 13 all year long, which is what, an average of a little over one-fourth down per game? They went forward on fourth four times and converted three. So I 
you know, there's something to be said about that, right? Probably not because they lost. I know. Who cares? But that red zone offense, we were all all kind of dogging, especially after Penn State and Nebraska. What's wrong with the red zone offense? You guys can't score. You guys, well, you know, they, they, they were having trouble with touchdowns. They were still getting field goals. Yeah, I know. Field goal, man. Field goals suck. I want to score touchdowns. Yeah, touchdowns obviously add up more than field goals do, but to know that you've got a guy who can come in and knock down field goals, especially if you are going to need them at an important part of the game, which this year has not necessarily turned out to be the case, but kind of. I mean, think about the Penn State and Nebraska games when they weren't able to score touchdowns. What happened? They called in Noah Ruggles, and he went four for four in each of those games. First time ever in Ohio State history that an Ohio State kicker has gone four out of four in back-to-back games. Knocked down both his field goals yesterday. He's only missed one all year. Yeah, he's 17 out of, or he's, I believe, 18 out of 19. Excuse me. Nonetheless, haven't really needed him this year, at least to come on and kick a game-winning field goal or game-tying field goal in the last waning seconds. But still, Ohio State, four for four, in the red zone yesterday, two touchdowns, two field goals. Michigan, however, six out of seven inside the 20. Of course, that one non-converted red zone opportunity was the Bryson Shaw interception. Still, six out of seven and all six scores were touchdowns. Michigan had more opportunities in the red zone, and when they got in, they scored touchdowns. So even though Ohio State did go perfect 4-4, two of those red zone opportunities were field goals instead of touchdowns. So let's say that Ohio State scores touchdowns there. Let's say instead of six, they score 14. All right, there's there's an extra eight points. Now your final score is forty-two to thirty-five. Still get beat. And here's another stat that jumps out to me. Remember how I was saying that Ohio State was second in the conference and only allowing eleven sacks this year. And actually, I I apologize. I'm going to correct myself in the middle of this podcast. I was wrong. They had actually allowed thirteen sacks on the season, but still. Second in the conference in only allowing 13 sacks. And remember how they were going into the game, leading the conference with 35 sacks? Ohio State, zero sacks, zero tackles for loss. Michigan, eight tackles for loss, total of 37 yards, and four sacks for 27 yards. C.J. Stroud had been sacked throughout the season never four times. In fact, the most he'd been sacked in a single game was two times. Took four sacks for a total of 27 yards. Four sacks for 27 yards, eight tackles for loss for 37 yards. That means half of their tackles for loss were sacks, and all but 10 of their TFL yards were sacks. And Ohio State couldn't create any pressure. Zero pressure. Defensive line, linebackers, 
trying to bring that cover safety blitz. None of it was effective at all. Michigan had an answer, and that's one of the huge reasons, if not maybe the main reason, that Ohio State lost this game is because they couldn't create pressure and they couldn't stop Hassan Haskins from gaining positive yardage. Ultimately, this game was won and lost in the trenches. Ohio State got pushed around. I mean, they got pushed around, period. That's a huge reason why they lost this football game. I talked with Jeremy on Friday night, and both of us agreed about how Michigan needed to effectively run the football, which they did, and eat up the clock and keep the ball out of C.J. Stroud's hands. Because we all knew how dangerous this Ohio State offense was. Now, if you let C.J. Stroud sit in the pocket and throw, he's going to make you pay. And you know what? To a certain extent, I wouldn't necessarily say he made them pay because there were some bad passes that he had. There were some drops. Olave had a couple, actually. But if you look at his stats, folks, he still had a pretty damn good game. 69% of his passes complete, 34 out of 49. Now, I realize it wasn't like the 81% that he threw for last weekend, 32 out of 35. But 34 out of 49, still 69% of his passes complete. That's that's still pretty freaking good. 394 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. To have a... Somewhat, maybe some out there would say, well, uh, still could have been this, could have been that. Well, could have, would have, should have. He was facing the best defense he had seen all year long. Better than Nebraska. And Nebraska's actually got, you know, pretty pretty good defense. They're not too bad. Record doesn't reflect that, but they've got more offensive problems that they need to deal with than defensive, for sure. But that's a whole other story. This was by far the best defense that C.J. Stroud had seen all year, right? I mean, Michigan's got scholarship players, too. Maybe on the whole, on the average, you go back and you look at all the recruiting classes, yeah, Ohio State has definitely owned Michigan, owned everybody else in the Big Ten, pretty much owned everybody else in the country, aside from you know Alabama, Clemson, even Georgia at times. But for the most part, Ohio State's had you know one of the top five, you know, top ten recruiting classes in the country year after year. You know, we're Michigan's third, fourth, fifth in the conference. So you keep putting together those recruiting classes, and yeah, the talent gap is going to become evident. But it's not like Michigan didn't have talented guys who were motivated enough to win the game. They were just motivated. They were just ready. It was just their time. Getting into those superlatives. You know, some something was, was bound to fall. And Jeremy and I talked about this Friday night. A first on either side of the ball was bound to happen. 
either Ryan Day was going to lose his first ever, not only Michigan game, but Big Ten game, including two championship game appearances, but he was also going to lose his first Michigan game. Or Jim Harbaugh was finally going to get his first win over Ohio State. Which then also would mean Michigan's first ever Big Ten championship game appearance. And if they win this weekend against Iowa, the Wolverines now have also their first ever shot at getting into the college football playoff with an opportunity to play for the national championship. However, had Ohio State won, fifth straight Big Ten championship game appearance, would have had an opportunity to rematch Iowa, because we haven't played them since 2017 when we went out there and got mud-stomped. An opportunity for a third straight college football playoff. But now, now that's all out the door, obviously, right? Thrown out the window, pissed in a pot, and chucked right out into a lake. Whatever the hell that means. I, I don't know. So here's my take on ultimately the outcome of yesterday's game. And I've been having this discussion with actually Ryan, Kevin, Jeremy. You all hopefully remember them from last season. Jeremy and I talked about this on the podcast Friday night. I was talking in a text thread with he and Kevin. That's Kevin Imes. And the man, Triple R, Ryan, Ross, Roar. Talking with them about this loss in a text thread. And it's actually something that Jeremy and I talked about on Friday night. And that was quite frankly, this is how I'm dealing with it. And I think a lot of people out there are dealing with with it now too. Because I've seen people making these comments in some of the Ohio State Facebook fan pages. Not everybody. There are other people. I actually got into a little bit of a little bit of a back and forth with a fan who made a post that if essentially Ohio State fans are happy or okay with this loss, or you're okay losing to your rival, then you're not a real Buckeye fan. But honestly, I have a major source of contempt for a comment like that. Because quite frankly, I feel that I'm a damn good, diehard Ohio State fan. Okay? I can remember the John Cooper 210-1 era. And I know there are probably quite a few listeners, whoever the one or two might be. Once again, going back to probably don't have a whole lot of listeners in the first place. But for those of you that are listening that are as old as I am, and I'm kind of dating myself by telling you I legitimately remember all of the games in, in the John Cooper era from 1988 to 1990, or excuse me, 1988 to 2000. I mean, I remember those games. I remember. And this is more for some of these younger listeners who truly don't have an appreciation to know what it's like to lose 
to Michigan and be in situations where, quite frankly, Ohio State should not have lost to Michigan. For those of you that were born in the 90s, you know, maybe you remember the 99 or 2000 game, maybe a little bit. But for the most part, your memories of Ohio State, Michigan, and really even Ohio State football in general are largely successful, very successful. And I know some of you all out there that are my age, maybe even older, and maybe some of you can remember the 10-year war. I don't. I wasn't around for it. Well, technically I was. I was. I saw the last two, which Woody lost both of those. We can talk about that in a minute. Or maybe we don't have to talk about that. Yeah, Pretty much everybody knows the history between Woody and Bo, right? Ten-year war. Student beat the teacher five out of ten times. The teacher won only four because they did tie in 1973. Anyways, this is more of a perspective for those of you who really do not know what it's like until yesterday to lose to Michigan. And, and, and you know what? No offense. 2011, that doesn't count. I mean, it counts, but it doesn't. It counts, but it doesn't. 03, you know, you could probably maybe remember 03 a little bit too. And I remember what it was like watching John Colazar tear up Ohio State in John Cooper's first year. But it was still a hell of a game, right? 34-31, final score. John Cooper's first year, it was right after Earl was fired and, you know, 1987 up there and they're wearing the headbands and win one for Earl and they won one for Earl which gave Earl a 5-4 and four record against Michigan and specifically Bo Schembechler. Earl actually won that rivalry. And then the Wolverines come in and they pay Ohio State back in Ohio Stadium. But once again, unbelievable game. Really what an Ohio State-Michigan game should be like, right? Back and forth, back and forth. Ohio State. Ohio State was unranked. In fact, <laughs> Cooper was 4-5-1 and one walking into that game. Michigan was ranked 12th. I mean, they rightfully should have won, and they did. And then the next year, he loses. Then 1990 comes, both teams are ranked. In fact, I'll go back to 1989. Buckeyes were actually ranked 20th in the country in that game. Wolverines were third. Yeah, we end up losing by 10 up there. Yeah, yeah. They were three, we were 20. We lost by 10. Okay, yeah. 1990? Once again, Wolverines, higher-ranked team at 15, High State's 19th. But it's down here, okay? We just lost two in a row. Two in a row. Surely, we're going to get some get-back, you know? It's not like they're that much better of a team. And really, they weren't. And really, it was, I mean, it was, it was a game in the sense of the score, 16-13, to 13. High State hung tough, but ultimately just couldn't finish it out. Ah, fourth and one. 
Greg Fry, Carlos Snow, option play. Greg Fry's even said after the fact that he had no idea why they were running that play. He knew that that play was going to fail. I've heard him say that. He knew that play was going to fail. But that's the play that was called. And it failed. And essentially, Michigan solidified the win. Then comes 1991. All right. You're on year number four now, Johnny. Year number four. Come on now. All right. I know that the Wolverines are fourth in the country, but you're ranked 18th. You got this one. You can do this. Let's pull off this upset. (laughs) Three hours later, and a Desmond Howard Heisman striking pose later. Final score, 31-3. to Ohio State actually came out and took the lead 3-0 in the first quarter. Oh, man, we were fired up. Yes. All right. Hey, it's it's something, right? Just like yesterday. Hey, it's a field goal. It's something. It's something. And then they just proceeded to lay the smack down. Then comes 1992. All right. Five games in, Johnny. You're at home. Once again, Wolverines ranked top 10 in the country. They're six, but the Buckeyes are 17th. But you're home. You're home. Okay? This is your fifth game. You've lost four in a row. Do something. Now it's starting to get, now it's, it's, it's getting past that, ah, oh gosh, can't win them all. Now it's getting to that point where it's like, okay, all right, we're pissed. We are pissed. We're beyond pissed. Come on, John. You were hired because you beat Michigan in the Rose Bowl when you were at Arizona State in the 87 season. You were hired because, I mean, seriously, that's why John Cooper was hired. Because they were looking for a coach they felt could compete with Michigan. Once again, not that Earl didn't because he was actually 5-4. and four. Good old 9-3 and three Earl. Going 9-3 going at Ohio State even back then in the 80s wasn't acceptable. Hadn't won a national championship in his ninth year there. Was legitimately pretty much going 9-3. and three. And I mean, there was a reason they called him good old 9-3 and three Earl, right? Because aside from that 11-1 1979 season, where he had an opportunity to win the national championship against USC, and they lost 17-16 against Charles White, student body left, student body right, right? Earl proceeded to go 9-3 and for the next six seasons. <laughs> six seasons! He goes 9-3. and He went 10-3 and in 86. Then, of course, 1987, he goes 6-4-1 and one with a win against Michigan and going 5-4 and four against the Wolverines. But the reason they hired John Cooper, I digress, the reason they hired John Cooper was because he beat Michigan in that 1988 Rose Bowl. So for some reason, they felt that this guy with no Big Ten experience whatsoever had none. Never coached in the Big Ten. You know, Southern boy. Not that that should matter, but, you know, you grow up in different parts of the country. You just, you know about rivalries, but you don't have an appreciation for them. And that was John Cooper. Didn't have an appreciation for the rivalry. So 1992 comes along, and it's like, okay, dude, come on. Four years in, you've lost all four. Now it's time to friggin' win. We're at home. 
throw the rankings out the window. I don't care. You need to win this football game. And they didn't lose. (laughs) But, of course, they didn't win. And that was the game where Gordon Gee. Yeah. Hi, I'm Gordon. I have glasses and a bow tie. I mean, how much more stereotypical of a dork can you get than what was Gordon Gee? And especially when he walks out onto the field, they interview him, of all people, why you're interviewing the president of the university after a football game, I, I have no idea. And maybe it was for good reason, because he probably gave one of the greatest quotes of all time. Maybe even transcending Ohio State football. But he called that tie, that 13-13 tie, one of the greatest victories against Michigan in OSU football history. (laughs) What? (laughs) What? One of the greatest what? Okay, yeah, we didn't lose, but we certainly didn't win. Of course, we all get it. We all get it. Because the anger and the disdain for Michigan for losing four in a row, especially getting trounced the year before, and having Desmond Howard, an Ohio guy, do that to you. What sucks is he ended up obviously going on to win the Heisman. But still, having that happen the year before, I mean, we were lit. And not like the kids are saying today in a good way. We were pissed. Pissed. And they get a tie. Okay. All right. I mean, and and, and quite frankly, at the time, we kind of took it. We didn't accept what Gordon Gee said and that it was the greatest victory or one of the greatest victories in Ohio State history. But we were kind of like, oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, it's better than losing, right? But then along comes 1993, and Ohio State's actually got a damn good football team. Damn good. This was it. This was the year that not only do you beat Michigan, you do it in their house, and you make them look bad. Now, Ohio State was 9-0-1 going into that game, but he's 0-4-1 against the Wolverines. But now he's got the team to do it. He's fifth ranked. Michigan is unranked. They're 6-4. and four. They've had a bad year. And man, <laughs> that low-hanging fruit is just ripe for the picking. This is it. This is it. And 60 minutes later, when it was all said and done, final score, Michigan 28, Ohio State 0. Zero. You know, we were supposed to have this high-flying offense, all that kind of stuff, rah, 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 the Buckeyes, once again, fifth-ranked, Michigan's unranked, six and four, why Ohio State has got this game in spades. There is no way, no way they're going to lose this game. And Bobby Hoyne just looked like garbage. In fact, I think it was him and, and Brett Powers. If I'm not mistaken. In fact, actually, Brett Powers, I think, looked more like garbage than Bobby Hoying. 
if I can remember correctly, Brett Powers, he threw like six passes in that game, completed three. His other three incompletions were interceptions. Bobby Hoying threw a pick as well. Four interceptions in that game. I think Jeff Cothran was their leading rusher. Or no, I think it was actually, well, they had Butler Benote and Raymont Harris. And I know, I think it was actually, it was Raymont Harris. I think he had like, I don't know, 15 carries for like 60, 65 yards, something like that. Benote had a few carries for like around 30 yards. But still, it, it was just, it was an anomaly. It was just gross. It was disgusting just to watch Ohio State completely, completely implode in that 93 game. You know, guys like Chico Nelson were walking around before the game, before the game, with roses in their mouths, already saying that they were going to win the game and go to the Rose Bowl, something they hadn't done in like almost 10 years, since like 1984. And of course, when you're Ohio State and you're used to going to the Rose Bowl back during Woody's years, at least during the, the, the golden age, right, pretty much throughout the 70s, you know, it was either you or Michigan, Big two and a little eight, right? Big two and a little eight. And that's what made the, the rivalry to the level that it got at one point. It was because of Woody and Bo, right? Because of the 10-year war. You know, it wasn't just because out of the 10 games, six of them saw both teams in the top five. But like nine of the 10, both teams were at least ranked in the top 10. Wasn't just because of that, but obviously it was because of the love and the admiration that those two had for one another. Once again, student and teacher, right? Bo played for Woody at Miami. Bo coached with Woody at Ohio State. Goes and he coaches at his alma mater, Miami of Ohio. Bo does. And then, of course, he goes to Michigan. And as they say, that was all she wrote. But still, those two, it's it's like, it's like, you know, your brother or a, a close sib or a close relative or close friend that you've got that intense rivalry with at the end of the day you love them to death but while you're playing that game whatever it is you're playing you just want to beat them and when you lose you get pissed that's what it was like between Woody and Bo right that's what it was like you know let's talk 1995 when Ohio State is once again the higher-ranked team. Undefeated second in the country. Up there. Yeah, Michigan was like 7-3. and three, 21st in the country. But we should have beaten them then. That is until they met a guy by the name of Shimanga Biakabatuka. Better known as Tim Biakabatuka. Now, Rightfully up to that point, Biakbatuka had actually had pretty good season. I mean, I think he finished with like pfft, close to 1,900 yards that year. Like legitimately, I think he had like a little over 1,800. But he was around like 18, 1,900 yards. And like, I don't know, he didn't have a lot of touchdowns. But still, I think he had like, I don't know, 10 or 12 touchdowns. I, I don't know. Tim Biakbatuka in his 313-yard performance just gashing a silver bullet defense all day long 
a silver bullet defense that had names like, you know, Sean Springs, Greg Belisari, Matt Finkus, Mike Vrabel, you might have heard of him before, Luke Fickle. I mean, a silver bullet defense that was stout all year long. All year long. And they let Tim Biakabatuka ramble for what is still an Ohio State-Michigan game record 313 rushing yards. And we had Eddie that year, and we once again had a potent offense. I mean, we had the Heisman Trophy winner. He hadn't won it at that point, but he was the favorite going in. I mean, he still had like 104 yards and a touchdown. It was a pretty good day. But we just couldn't stop the run. Hmm, sounds familiar, right? Yeah. Couldn't stop the run, 1995. Couldn't stop Tim Biakabatuka's 313 yards. <laughs> and they go on to win, 31-23. Following year, 1996, once again, number two, undefeated, in our house. And this high-flying, prolific offense that took over from when Bobby Hoying left, who had the Ohio State career touchdown passing record. With 57, which seems, I know, you're like, uh, that was for a career? Yeah. Back then, you just didn't throw as often as you do now, right? But at the time, after he left in 1995, 57 passing touchdowns, that was a career passing touchdown record. Terry Glenn, yeah. The late, great Terry Glenn. That one year he put on, man, what a year. Of course, Eddie, gone. Remember Ricky Dudley at tight end? Yeah, he was a hell of a tight end. Went on and played in the pros for quite a few years. He was on that 95 team. He's gone. So all we had to do was replace quarterback, running back, receiver, tight end. Still had the bullets, though. Still had the bullets. Still had Springs. You still had Finkus. You still had Vrabel. You still had Fickle. You still had Belisari. Brought in a guy named Antoine Winfield. He was okay. He was all right. He, I think he ended up panning out, playing, playing decently. In his career at Ohio State as well as about, what, 11, 12 years in the pros. But the bullets were there. And then all of a sudden, this guy named Joe Germain at quarterback. Yeah, I know, he had to split time with Stanley Jackson, but pfft, Stan Jackson was more of a detriment than he was a bonus. Yeah, we'll talk about the 97 game in a second. But at any rate, 96, undefeated, second-ranked in the country, you're at home, high-flying offense. You've got Joe Germain. You've got Peppy Pearson. You've got the Silver Bullets. You've got David Boston and D. Miller. I mean, we were, we were still loaded. We were still loaded. And there was absolutely no reason why Ohio State should have lost that game. No reason whatsoever. And we couldn't even score a damn touchdown. And, of course, there's the infamous Sean Springs slip there. Early third quarter, tie streets up the middle, 13 to 9, your final score. And they were shutting Pepe down. Pepe had like at least 30 some runs that game. I think he had probably, I don't know, 60 yards or something. I'm like, why are you not throwing the ball? I mean, they tried at times, but they were definitely, Cooper was trying to run Pepe down their throat. It wasn't working. And he still continued to try to run Pepe. One of the worst called games I've ever seen. And then Marcus Ray, <laughs> yeah, Independence guy from here in Columbus. Gets that pick at the very end of the game. And then as he's running down the field, he decides to slide as time has expired right in front of the Ohio State sideline. Mm-hmm, yeah. 
then 97. Now, 97 I don't get as angry with because Michigan was undefeated, number one ranked in the country. However, the Buckeyes only one loss that year, and they were number four, and they were still the Bullets. Still had a lot of those guys back. Now, they didn't have Finkus and Vrabel and, and Fickle on the defensive line. They, they were gone after that, but still, hell of a defensive line. Still had your linebackers. Forgot about a guy named Andy Katzenmoyer. <laughs> he, true freshman, 96. All that guy did was end up going on and winning a couple of Lombardis or a couple of Butkuses. Once again, memory. My, me- my memory is not as good as it used to be, so I apologize if I don't remember as much stuff off the top of my head. But I know he won. Pretty sure he won the Buckus Award two years in a row. 97 and 98, which quite frankly, I think he was better in 96, his true freshman year, than he was in 97 or 98. Not to say he wasn't good then, but he had a hell of a freshman year. At any rate, 97 up there, number one, number four, and, you know, final score, 20 to 14, not necessarily indicative of how really that game was dominated by Michigan, and I, I can't even really say dominated because both defenses were just so stout. I mean stout. I think they sacked Joe Germain like five times in that game. However, Joe Germain didn't throw any interceptions. In fact, he threw the only touchdown pass the Buckeyes had. But there was a guy who threw interceptions in that game, and that was Stanley Jackson. Yay, Stanley! Kind of like... This is the Stanley that Michael talks about in the office. Yeah, yeah, that's that's you, Stanley Jackson. You're that kind of Stanley, as far as I'm concerned. Two interceptions in that game, back-to-back. Third quarter, he is leading Ohio State down the field on a drive. Now, at this point, Ohio State's down 14 to nothing. It couldn't score in the first half. Down 14 to nothing. To start the second, High State, Stanley Jackson, driving down the field. And he had actually had a really nice pass to D. Miller, the play before, for like 15 yards, put it in a tight window. Miller caught the ball, got walloped. And then the very next play, what'd you do, Stan? What'd you do there, Stanley? Yeah, you remember what you did, don't you? Yeah. Threw an interception. And who'd you throw it to? <laughs> yeah. Number two, Mr. Everything for the Wolverines that year, Charles Woodson. And you know what? Screw Charles Woodson. Just obviously screw him because, yeah, I mean, you know, Michigan guy, an Ohio guy, wins the Heisman, Mr. Everything. He had like two interceptions in that 95 game as well. That's a true freshman. But at any rate, picks off Stan Jackson in the end zone. Just just totally baited Stan Jackson into making the throw. Stan Jackson thought he had D. Miller open. And Charles Woodson was trailing D. Miller a little bit. But he, he, he totally baited Stan Jackson into making that throw. Because he allowed D. Miller to get ahead of him a little bit. Jackson thought he had the window. And what did Woodson do? Turns on the Jets and picks him off. Now, it wouldn't necessarily come back to harm Ohio State, that play, but it took points off the board because then what happened the very following drive? Stan, do you remember Stan? Do you remember Stanley, what you did on the very next drive? Yeah. 
scrambles out of the pocket. He's about to get tackled. And just in a, here you go, kind of moment, chucks the ball right into cornerback Andre Weathers' hands. And Weathers at first, I mean, go back and watch a replay. When he catches that, he's almost like, holy shit, I've got the ball. Like, I didn't expect this to be the case, but uh, okay, I've got it. Takes off and scores a touchdown. At that point, midway through the third quarter, Michigan's now up 20 to nothing. Then Joe Germain comes in, throws that touchdown pass to Boston. You know, where Boston bobbles it. Woodson slipped. Boston bobbles it, and then as he catches it, he turns around, starts running backwards into the end zone and waving the ball in Woodson's face. God, see, where is football gone? That would have been called a taunting penalty. Now, back then, yeah, you could still do that. You could literally catch the ball, turn around, stare down the opposing player, and wave the ball in their face as you're crossing the goal line and then continue to talk shit to them and not get a flag. The wussification of America. God, I love it. So much fun. Then, of course, the Buckeyes uh, cause a fumble late there. I think it was about, eh... I don't know, early, mid-fourth quarter. Sat greasy, cause a fumble. We recover. Next play, Pepe punches it in. It's now 20-14. to 14. Buckeyes still had an opportunity, just that weren't able to close it out. Michigan wins. Stay undefeated. Go on, win their bowl game against Washington State that year. And end up splitting the national championship. With who? Huh. Nebraska. And a guy who was their quarterback at the time, who's now their current head coach. Yeah, Scott Frost. Then 1998 comes. Finally, Ohio State gets off the schneid. They went on. They won that game, giving John his second and last win against the Wolverines because in 99 and 2000, followed them up with duds. Lost a close one to good old you-know-who. <laughs> yep. Tom Brady, 99 in the big house. It was 24-17, and Ohio State wasn't a very good team that year. You know, they ended up going 6-6. Six and six. But still, you know, you lost. But 99, I think Michigan was ranked like, I don't know, I think they were like top 10, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, Ohio State was like 6-5 and five and unranked and still gave them a close game. 2000, however, once again, back down here, Ohio State, 8-2, 12th in the country. Michigan, 7-3, 19th in the country. And what happens? We watch Steve Belisari, not Greg, his little brother Steve, throw three interceptions in that game. And ultimately, Michigan goes on to win 38-26, thus ending the John Cooper era and 2-10-1. and So imagine that. If you're of the younger generation, you really don't remember the John Cooper years, and all you've really seen is the Jim Trestle, Urban Meyer, and now Ryan Day era. Those three coaches, excuse me, also Luke Fickle for that one year. Sorry, Luke. Four coaches have a combined three losses now to Michigan since 2001. (laughs) 
Imagine that. Since 2001, in the last 20 years, Ohio State is 16-3. and three, And I know yesterday hurts. I, you want to? I mean, there are people saying that if Ryan Day loses next year against Michigan, that he should be fired. There are even people, obviously, those ridiculous fans that are calling for Ryan Day's head right now. Calm down, calm down. Who do we get? Who do we get? Who do we go out there and get that's better than Ryan Day? Michigan State and Penn State. Felt that there was nobody better than the two coaches they have now. That they felt they needed to throw them 10-year contracts. And Mel Tucker, Mel Tucker, is going to make close to $100 million on that deal. James Franklin is going to be making $80 million. Mel Tucker and James Franklin. Penn State and Michigan State felt that those two coaches were as good as it gets. Like, it doesn't get any better than this. Oh, my gosh, they're talking about going to USC or or LSU. Oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. Wringing their hands. Oh, Florida's open now. Ah, ah. Let's sign them. Hurry up. Let's throw them a bunch of cash. We got to keep them. We got to secure them. Look, I know a loss sucks. I know it does. But folks, take that take that 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 helmet off. That Ohio State helmet, those scarlet and gray colored glasses, take them all off for a minute and just think about what we went through 13 years under John Cooper, okay? 2 10 and 1. Ohio State, and there were once again, you just heard me just ramble on for the last what, 20 minutes? about how the high state had no business losing some of those games. I mean, seriously, 93, 95, 96, 2000 even, no business losing those games. None. But John Cooper couldn't do it. He didn't know what the rivalry meant. And we hung on to him for 13 seasons. That, he, he couldn't win bowl games either. He was pretty bad in the bowl games. So imagine that. Just, just, just remember... What we've witnessed, Buckeye fans, the last 20 years, 16-3, and three, as opposed to 13 seasons going 2-10-1. Okay, what we've seen the last 20 years has been pretty much unheralded in the rivalry. I mean, unless you want to literally go back to the very beginning, and I mean the very beginning, like from 1897 to 1918, when the best win streak, if you will, or non-losing streak, was Michigan during that time span, where they went 13-0-2 against the Buckeyes. They strung together another pretty impressive, well, fairly impressive, uh, non-losing streak from 45-51, to 51, where Ohio State, was 0-6-1. So for some of you younger fans that maybe don't have a perspective on it, and I'm sure you probably do. You've done, you've gone, you've, you're, you're smart. You're good Buckeye fans, right? You've gone back. You've done your homework. You've looked at it. You know, you've looked at the history. You know that it's, it, it, it had to have sucked 
Gee whiz, Dad, do you remember that? Yeah, I remember that, son. Yeah, that was awful. Yeah, it's like hearing my dad when he talks about Woody and Bo, you know, talking about the 10-year war, talking about, you know, several Michigan games and other big important games in Ohio State history. But I remember the John Cooper era, and it sucked. So just to kind of give you younger guys, though, a little bit more perspective on what it was like to go through that and to where we're at now, I understand that yesterday's loss hurts. And trust me, I'm not happy with it. But you want to know my take? Finally, I'm getting around to it. If we want for this to continue to be a rivalry, it needed to happen. And and don't think that I'm sitting here saying this because now other people are saying it. No, 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 no. I have been saying this now for the last three or four years. I have been saying this, that it was starting to feel like we've been beating Illinois and Indiana. And folks, that ain't a rivalry. I know you're mad. I know you're pissed off. But doesn't it feel kind of refreshing? It feels kind of good to actually have some anger now and get pissed off that we lost. Because you keep beating someone and beating someone and beating someone year in and year out, it gets old. I don't care who it is. And yeah, I remember 2-10-1. And, and then when Jim Trestle came in in 01, ironically, the 20th anniversary of the game, where 310 days before, at the halftime of the Ohio State-Michigan basketball game, he made that prediction, which technically he didn't predict. He simply said, we're going to be proud of them. And he even made that comment later and said, I really didn't predict that we'd win. I just said, you'd be proud of the way we played. Man, come on, Jimmy. We can read between the lines. We know what you meant, but at any rate. 20 years from when Jim Trestle walked into Michigan Stadium and finally got Ohio State a win, their first since Earl Bruce. Yeah, John Cooper never – two wins, both at home. Think about that. And Michigan's last three wins have all come in their house. They haven't beaten Ohio State in Ohio Stadium since John Cooper's last season which was 2000, that game that I just talked about. That's the last time that Michigan's won in Ohio Stadium. So there's still more work for Michigan to do. But doesn't it, aren't, aren't you, aren't you doesn't just kind of pump a little bit of blood back into, into your loins? Not that way. I don't know why I said that, but I mean, seriously though, doesn't it just, doesn't this just get you kind of fired up? It does, to me, at least, if you can't tell. It does. I'm, I'm, I, I'm now like, you know what? We needed this. We needed this. Once again, I'm not saying all of this because people are out there now saying it. Like, well, you know what, gosh, and there were there were actually journalists out there writing about how Michigan needed this win to stoke some fire back into the rivalry. Folks, I've been saying this for the last three or four years. Don't get me wrong. 
I enjoy not only a win over Michigan, but an ass whooping. And that's what we put on them. 2018, 2019, more than likely would have put on them last year. Had Jimmy Cax not punked out. Yeah, punked out. Which we all know he did. He knows he did too. Didn't want to get beat again. And then he goes and makes those comments about Ryan Day after the game. I love it how he's asked about it. And he starts off by going, yeah, well, you know, uh, we're just, uh, we're going to, you know, have humbled hearts and uh, take the high road. And you could have stopped there, Jimbo, but you didn't. And then you proceeded to say, but, you know, some guys who are standing on third base think they've hit a triple when they didn't. (laughs) All right, dude. But you know what? I kind of like it. Shots fired, man. You don't think that that's going to be bulletin board material for next year? He's already fired the shots. But you want to know what? You want this to be a real rivalry, Jimmy? Come down here and beat us next year in the horseshoe. Let me tell you what. Next year, next year's game, I mean, we're already talking about it. Next year, next year, next year, right? But I can promise you, Regardless of how next season goes for either team, next year's game just took on a whole new meaning, especially for Ohio State, right? When we're already talking about, yeah, well, uh, next year, when you guys come down here next year, ah, we're already talking about it. But ultimately, does this loss suck? Yes, but put it into perspective, you can't win them all. I mean, you can't, period. You cannot win them all. Nick Saban hasn't won them all against his rival. I think he's like 10-5. and five. Almost lost yesterday, too. Should have lost. Ridiculous. Auburn let them come back and win that game. Bill Belichick didn't win them all, right? I mean, Bill Belichick went to a hell of a lot of Super Bowls. 10, if I'm not mistaken, right? Went to 10. Or was it 9? 9. 1 6. Woody didn't win them all against Bo. Just talked about that, right? Four, five, and one. Jim Trestle, the guy who reignited the Flames into the rivalry, didn't win them all. Granted, he won nine out of ten. Well, technically eight out of ten. But you know what? I still count 2010. I don't care that they took that win away. I still count it. Stats standpoint, of course, the record books don't reflect it. But, you know, I do. Nine out of ten. But the fact that Urban Meyer won seven in only seven games only, right? I mean, he only coached seven years, only coached seven years. But he won every single time. And before him, Ohio State had never won more than four in a row. He won seven. Ryan Day came in and won number eight. Had they won yesterday, they would have tied the series record for most wins in a row, which of course is owned by Michigan from 1901 to 1909. But once again, who the hell remembers that? But coulda, woulda, shoulda. I mean, you just you can't win them all, period. I don't know what to tell you other than that. It was just their time to win. And quite frankly, us Buckeye fans, we needed this wake-up call. We needed this smack in the mouth. They needed this win, and the rivalry needed it. It needed it. 
because I was tired of beating Illinois and Indiana every single year. So there you have it. I hope that this... I... I hope that this has helped you get into a little bit better of a mood. It probably didn't. It probably didn't because I'm, I, I'm, I'm sure that a lot of you out there wanted to hear me say that this is an unacceptable loss. Ryan Day should be fired. We should kick C.J. Stroud and Travion Henderson off the team. I don't really think anybody wants that, but <laughs> slight bit of sarcasm trying to be funny. But I'm not happy. I'm not happy. I'm not happy. I am upset. You can tell earlier. But damn it, it actually feels kind of refreshing to hate Michigan again. If that makes any sense. So that'll do it for me, folks. I appreciate you checking out today's show. You can, of course, peep this on Spotify, Podbean, we're on iTunes. You can check out our Facebook page, Twitter. We're all over the place, baby. We're nationwide. Of course, if you're on the internet, you're throughout the entire world. But uh, <laughs> if I get out of the state of Ohio, if I have more than five people like this uh, podcast, I'll, I'll be thrilled. But for those of you that decided to stick out this entire show and listen, I greatly appreciate you. I really do. And before I go, I just want to let everybody know that this show has been sponsored by Christie's Cleaning Services, LLC. It's not clean until it's Christie clean. Be sure to visit her Facebook page at Christie's Cleaning Services, LLC. And yes, she is my wife. It's easy to get sponsorship when she lives with you and it's free. There you have it, folks. Hey, everybody take care. And as always, I'll leave you like I always do. OH. I hope I got an I.O. after that. Go Bucks. Oh!